0: This week's episode is brought to you by HorrorBuzz.com. If you have a need for all the latest news on haunts, movies, TV, games, books, and more, then head to HorrorBuzz.com. Ask your doctor if HorrorBuzz.com is right for you. HorrorBuzz.com may cause sleeplessness, headaches, dizziness, dysentery, darkened soul, lycanthropy, mild discomfort, vampirism, mild heart explosions, sugar high, shaking, impermanence, and a mild rash. For external use only... Remember, objects in the mirror are actually behind you, may contain nuts. HorrorBuzz.com. And welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins.
1: And I'm I'm Jeff. Oh, man. I just totally stepped over your name.
0: That's fine. I'm, I'm sorry. George. I, I, I see, you didn't let me say it again.
1: And I'm Jeff. There we go. Okay, we nailed it, guys. You think we would have gotten <laughs> it down by now, but clearly not. I dumped the gun. I dumped the gun. But what if, the gun. what if people think it's
0: like the first episode and they think that my name is George F?
1: Uh, it's possible. You see, I was just so excited to like talk about these brief little news nuggets I wanted to throw in there. I just couldn't wait. That's what oh, happened. I
0: really hope there aren't
1: nine. No, 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 no. There's there's only two. So, okay, good, good, good. First of all, um, just for future reference... From now on, when you listen to episodes, go to CommunicorWeekly.com to find the latest episode. That's always the best way for you to find the latest episode, whether it's the, you know, the audio version or the video version. Go to CommunicorWeekly.com. We update it weekly, so just go there because I know some of the other sources have had some issues lately. So communicoreweekly.com if you don't already subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can always find the latest version. That's number one, nugget. Nugget number two. Um, birthday cards. Some of you have emailed Uh. us saying that uh, my birthday was in (laughs) June or July and I did not get my birthday surprise yet. Well, there's a valid reason for that. Uh. You see, let me just break it down for you really quickly. I order the actual cards. I send them to Georgia State. Okay. I send them to uh, Andy and he starts signing them and he has George sign them and he has Steve sign them. And then they go back to Andy and then Andy FedExes them. Then to me, or bits and pieces at a time in California, then I sign them, put the address on, stamp them, send them out. So that's been fine for the first couple of months. That said, for whatever reason, we have lost like one and a half shipments through FedEx that just never arrived at my house, and we are so behind, and we are so sorry. We I'm don't mean sign to discriminate.
0: I'm signing right now. He,
1: he actually is. I can hear him scribbling away because I told him if he does not sign right now, he is fired from Community Crow Weekly. Um, so do, if you have not received your birthday surprise, we are sorry. It's going to come. You're going to get a belated birthday surprise. We apologize, but we just want to let you know that we love you and we're sorry. And that makes it special. It does make it special. So instead of saying happy birthday, I'll say happy belated birthday. But we still love you deep <gasps> in in our hearts. So that was only two nuggets. We're done. Should we go on with the rest of the show? I guess so. All right. Let's do it.
0: It's time for Disney History.
1: When Walt Disney came up with the idea for Epcot, he had gigantic plans. His experimental prototype Community of Tomorrow was to be the city of the future, and what he thought would be the next step toward the actual future. Unfortunately, his ideas never came to fruition, but part of his original came true with the Land Pavilion at Epcot Center in
0: 1982. So, it was an opening day pavilion in the Future World section of the park. The Land was Epcot Center's largest pavilion, spanning six massive acres. The theme of the pavilion was to educate guests on how they could live in harmony with the land around them and how important it was. The pavilion was sponsored by Kraft from 1982 to 1993. Those were some wonderful years. And the company incorporated a lot of education on healthy eating into the pavilion. So when the pavilion itself actually opened, it featured three main attractions.
1: Kitchen Cabaret, which was a fun musical show. Listen to the Land, which was a boat ride that taught guests about how to live on the land. And uh, Symbiosis, a short film. And it also featured the Sunshine Season, Fu- Sunshine, uh, Sunshine Season Food Fair. There we go. Very which good. was a healthy eating establishment. And a lot of the food served there was actually grown right there in the very pavilion. And it also had a very distinctive color scheme overall, very, very 80s of it, and is finally remembered by
0: folks today who visited uh, during that time period. In 1993, when Nestle became the new sponsor, Kitchen Cabaret was transformed into food rocks, and Listen to the Land became Living with the Land. A year later, Symbiosis was replaced with Circle of Life, and Environmental Fable. And I'm doing everything can not to sing asamenya Yemeni, chivano. But you'll say um, it. In, um, in <clears throat> 2004, the pavilion had another major overhaul with a new logo, color scheme, and most importantly, new carpeting. Love new carpeting. We all love new carpeting. Yes. Because all that walking, apparently, you know, wore the carpeting down. It did. <laughs> the sunshine scene I got me doing. It. <laughs> no, you did it. It's <laughs> the contagious. sunshine season food fair was redesigned And the Garden Grill restaurant was updated. And I'll tell you guys my lovely Garden Grill story. Some point in life with chocolate milk, but not right now. Not right now. No.
1: Also, unfortunately, Food Rocks was removed to make way for Soren, which has been disappointing (laughs) audiences and fans ever since. Just kidding. Kind of. Mostly me. Um... Anyway, this refurbishment of the entire pavilion was quite long, and it lasted over a year. And the pavilion reopened again on May 5th, 2005. And even though some of the original messaging has been lost over time, the land still
0: actually educates guests on healthy living and eating. So one of the things that has remained consistent over the years is the massive mosaics that lead up to the land's entrance. You know, the giant hill that makes your calves cramp? Um, there's There's a mural, there's one on each side, and they feature... A breathtaking array of glass and marble tiles uh, whose patterns are meant to represent the different layers of the earth each side is hundred and thirty four feet long both sides are identical except for a very small part on the right-hand side that has one green tile and this is meant to be the signature of the artist who made it so sort of like a five-legged goat exactly hidden within Yay. the history segments. So when you first walk into the land, you
1: aren't actually on the first floor, you're actually on the very top floor. And this gives you a you know a fantastic view of the entire pavilion itself, because you can look down and just basically see everything you can do in the land. And you also get a great view of the hot air balloons hanging from the ceiling. Uh, when the pavilion first opened under craft sponsorship, the four balloons were meant to represent the uh, food groups. Now they represent
0: the four seasons. What were the four? The four seasons. The four food groups by craft. There'd be macaroni and cheese. Uh huh. And then more macaroni and yeah. cheese. Yeah. And then just cheese. And then just macaroni. Yeah. Yeah. No, they had to split by up. itself. No, you got to have macaroni and cheese, and then just cheese. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes well, sense. Well, anyway, so they. Uh, <clears throat> back on the show. So at first glance, some folks may not feel like the land is all that special. You're wrong. Exactly. If you peel back some of the layers or dig back some of the, well, anyway. You'll see what an agricultural wonderland it actually is. The pavilion is home to four greenhouses, a fish farm, and numerous research facilities. The greenhouses grow common, everyday food items, such as cucumbers and tomatoes, but Jeff says tomatoes, but also some signature items like gigantic melons and pumpkins. Because they need the pumpkins for the transformation scene in Cinderella. That's that's true. And that, yeah. that gave you reusing them to get it right. Once all these
1: crops are fully grown, they are harvested and then distributed throughout the resort. And many of these crops can actually be eaten right there uh, within the land pavilion itself in its various restaurants and quick-serve
0: eateries. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't get off the boat to eat some of the food. No, no, they generally frown upon that, and we're not saying that from experience. Generally, yeah. Um, So the point of the pavilion is to educate guests on the importance of living in harmony with the land. Living with the land, the boat ride in the pavilion, is the perfect way to get your... Learn on. Sorin may be the most popular attraction at the land, but living with the land is definitely the true hidden gem.
1: So, living with the land is actually kind of like two and one in a way. The first half shows us the different landscapes, uh, while the second half gives up an us- up close view of the agriculture and crop growing. And in the first half, uh, you're introduced to the rainforest, the desert, and the American prairie. And you're meant to see the vast differences between all of them and the harsh elements that threaten each one along with how you know they're still able to sustain uh
0: plant and animal life so the second half of living with the land brings us into the greenhouses or the living laboratories as they are called the scientists that work here are finding new ways to produce harvests now and into the future the greenhouse uh, allows us a glimpse into some of the innovative new growing methods and there are five different sections in the greenhouse You've got the tropics greenhouse, the aqua cell, the temperate greenhouse, the string greenhouse, and the creative greenhouse.
1: The tropics greenhouse is home to tropical plants such as bananas, or jackfruits, or miracle fruit, uh, peach palms, dragon fruit ginger, rice, and many more. And we even learned that the fluted pumpkins, which are grown here, uh, can grow in the porous soil conditions such as those found in Africa. And the ability that this plant has to thrive and survive practically anywhere is a potential lifesaver to millions, uh, and the scientists are studying how to apply that to
0: other plants. So the temperate greenhouse is where the land's biggest plants are grown. Giant pumpkins, casa bananas, winter melons, and the famous nine-pound lemons. It'd be a great name for a band. It would be, actually. Nine-pound lemons. The aquacell is the fish farm. They have tilapia, bass, catfish, Uh, American alligators and eels are kept there as well. And the land actually grows 6,500 pounds of fish every year.
1: The string greenhouse is next, uh, where you learn about two innovative growing methods employed at the land. The first is the vertical growing system. And this method actually increases airflow through the leaves, which helps to reduce disease. And many of the plants hang down vertically from above in this section, such as pumpkins, bell peppers, and tomatoes. I did, good, I did that good, on purpose. Good job. Brought
0: it back the, around. Uh, the second method is the nutrient film system, which is a hydroponic method that recycles water and nutrients. Some of the things being grown here include strawberries and onions, which is a very weird combination. Uh, the final greenhouse is the creative greenhouse. Plants found here include cabbage, rice, dill, and herbs, which I didn't know were creative. Um, they Here they use actually what's called aeroponics to grow uh, the plants. And much like hydroponics, there's no need for soil with this technique. Instead, water and nutrients are sprayed directly onto the plant roots.
1: So the scientists working here are researching possible plant growing techniques uh, in outer space as well, which could be used on extended pay, uh, space travel trips, because you know we're all taking those in the future.
0: Oh yeah, next week, right?
1: Yeah, totally, totally. Sweet. And there's even a chance for guests to see some of these plants up close in Percival. Uh, However, at the end, the narrative reminds us that we need to work together to find
0: new ways to increase food production and protect our environments. The pavilion also offers a fantastic hour or so walking tour called Behind the Seeds. It takes you in and around the greenhouses in small groups so you can get a much closer look at the work being done right at the pavilion and walk through those greenhouses we see so briefly on the ride and make fun of the people on the ride, too. Basically, yes. You can do that.
1: Also, by far my favorite tour of any kind at Walt Disney World. Behind yes. the scenes, I down. love that one. I think we said that like a thousand times before, but <laughs> I do like that one. Um, so even though uh, the the ride debuted over 30 years ago, much of it has stayed the same since opening day. Uh, that said, there are a handful of differences. You know, for example, the name of the ride did change from Listen to the Land to Living with the Lamb. And as we mentioned earlier, this happened when the ride's sponsorship changed from Kraft to Nestle in 1993. And the opening scene also changed during this time uh, from the stage of a plant's growth into this dramatic thunderstorm scene.
0: There was also a great song, being being calm here, there was also a great song that went along with the original version called Listen to the Land. And in fact, if you've been on the ride during the original version, I guarantee you'll be humming the tune for the rest of the day. Uh, They still play an instrumental version of the song in the pavilion, but it's not the same. Were you trying to do that in the in
1: the uh, what, George? What I don't know George, what you're talking George. about. Finally, there used to be a live guide on the boat as you went along your journey, and this cast member did a live spiel, and he also he or she also answered questions as you went along. But this was replaced by a recorded narration in 2006.
0: Yes, yeah, I think it's too hard, you know, telling guests that was a really stupid question. Yes,
1: don't yeah. me ask. Me
0: that I'm, there's only so many ways you can actually say that <laughs> okay. before you get fired. <laughs> so, at the land the Imagineers and scientists remain dedicated to keeping part of Walt's vision for Epcot Center alive. Growing food on site that is used throughout the resort was something Walt wanted for Epcot, and it's really great to see it in action. The land is unlike anything else that can be found at Walt Disney World. It's more than a pavilion. It's almost like a a self-sustaining environment all on its own. And that is why I would live there during
1: the zombie apocalypse. What? Exactly.
0: Yikes. Um... Gosh, now I'm looking around behind me. I'm a little nervous. Uh, <laughs> I know you actually did it because your voice got further ooh. away from the mic. <laughs> okay, that was that was kind of scary. I was waiting for something to creep up behind me. Anyway, before it gets too scary, um, we would love to know what you think about the land pavilion. Have you done the behind-the-scenes tour? I know I took my oldest son on it, and he still talks about it to this day. You know, it was really, really hot, but we did go in August. Uh, we'd love to know what you think about living with the land, how much you don't like Soren or like Soren. Or anything else about it, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424 785 4628.
1: That's 424 785 GOAT. He's a nerd. He's a, nerd. He's, a geek. he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech.
0: Ah! It's George's Book of the Week. All right, so I know that both of us, meaning me and Jeff, both of us just finished Star Wars Dark Disciple. And we know that all the cadets are just waiting to hear our review. Right? Right. Okay. I'm waiting. Well, I know you are, but that's okay. So, like some of the other Star Wars books we've mentioned before, when I started Dark Disciple, I wondered how was it going to hold up to what we've read so far? Like Tarkin and Heir to the Jedi and things like that um and this book itself too dark disciple is an adaptation from a few of the unproduced episodes of the really fantastic star wars The clone wars and i wondered is that going to make this book any different from the, the other books we've read
1: I mean, I think we both could agree. Like, the show was great. and We both mm-hmm. loved it. So we were kind of in for a treat here, you know, the continuation of the story. Yeah. Um, and all the new Star Wars canon that has been coming out lately has been great. So I had really high expectations for this book. And I wasn't let down per se, but I did have some issues, which we'll get into. Um, but as to the plot of the book, it's darker than, than most we've seen so far. Um, the Jedi Council decides to assassinate Count Dooku. And, it, I don't know, it's just a weird plot because how often do these defenders of all things good decide, hey, we're going to kill this dude?
0: Yeah, it's that's an interesting proposition. And there's so many times you think, why didn't they just blow up Dooku's ship or something? Yeah. I mean, this is an assassination in the Star Wars universe. It just doesn't happen from the good guys. Um, you know, because if you talk about killing someone in the heat of battle, it's different from putting a price on their head. Yes, yes. So, the Jedi Council... Does decide that there's no way to end the Clone Wars until Count Dooku is dead. So the council calls in Jedi Master Quinlan Voss, who we first meet in one of the Dark Horse comics, and uh, they want him to try to recruit someone who might not consider assassination a problem, especially with the likes of Count Dooku. So If you're going to assassinate someone, I mean, it obviously would help
1: to have some inside knowledge on them, especially from someone who may have experienced it firsthand. Uh, And so, Voss sets out to track down fan-favorite Clone Wars character, Ventress, um, who is Dooku's former disciple-turned-enemy, and that's when things get pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, the book does take some weird spins, um, including some sides of Obi-Wan Kenobi that you just don't expect, like him hanging out in a bar. Well, he did that in the first movie. I was going to say, the, that's literally like one of the first things he's yeah, seen in a movie. Anyway. But he's older then, so I mean. Yeah, that's true. That's true. God Lord deserves, Lord deserves a drink. He's seen a lot. <laughs> so Asajj, Asajj Ventress, you know, she turns out to be a really um, well-rounded character, which I was I was glad to see. And it, it builds on the storylines from the Dark Horse comics and the Clone Wars uh, show. And we really get to go inside of her character and, and see some of her inner workings, sort of her metaphysical inner workings, I guess. And, uh, you know, Quinlan Boss was a different story altogether. He's, really, he's instantly likable. And then he takes a strange and dark path that doesn't always make sense. And, you know? and yeah,
1: that that's pretty much where I had the most issues with the book overall. Um, it seemed to spend too much time on this one particular area, especially going back and forth on too many uh, double and triple and however many other more crosses that took place. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe it would have played out better on TV, but in book form it was just too much and not really that interesting or as exciting as it, as it should have been, so I was kind of like, alright, is this
0: over? Nope, still another <laughs> 28 pages of this. <laughs> you yeah, know, and with looking at the dark side and falling to the dark side. You know, I thought it would be more like in the films, but I guess you don't see it as much. I mean, there's Darth Vader. He's Darth Vader. Wow. So was, they had to explore that a little bit. And maybe w- this, I saw it as different because of the relationship between uh, Asajj and Voss. But, you know, but the amount of double crossing and all those other crossings that Jeff mentions. Yeah, pedestrian yeah, crossings, pedestrian crossings, 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 duck crossings. Duck crossings, duck crossings. Yeah. Just Death Star crossings, all those. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty funny to expect that you know they 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 seem to be not quite a filler but maybe a filler not really sure you know I still really enjoyed the book and Star Wars fans are gonna like it they're really gonna like it 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 falls into the same plot traps as some of the other books I mean we know that Count Dooku doesn't get killed here but I guess the the real oomph for the meat to the story is in the relationship between Asajj and Boss you know occupied with how they deal with Obi-Wan and the Jedi Council. Yeah, I mean, I did enjoy the rest of the book, much like George said, and it
1: was great to see uh, Ventress's story play out some more and see where her path takes her. Uh, but we all know how Dooku meets his, his end, so we know that Voss's plan was kind of doomed from the start. Um, but that said, you know, like they always say, it's not about the goal, it's the journey there. And I did enjoy the journey through the book, despite some up and th- ups and downs, and I would still recommend it, uh, especially for fans of the Clone Wars show.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good book. It, it, it does add to the Star Wars universe, which is what we're really looking for. And, you know, Asajj Ventress has been a very intriguing character from her introduction. And, and it was I thought it was enjoyable to get to know her better, you know, so to speak, in the book form. Uh, the action's very well written. Uh, the dialogue was great. I could actually hear the characters speaking in their voice from the Clone Wars show. Which I thought was good. He had the dialogue down, and it did seem like the book was a little bit longer than necessary. But it was all those crossings again, all those crossing, and it's, it's not a big complaint about the book. I did really enjoy it, and you know I think with all these things, Star Wars fans have a lot to rejoice. They really do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great way to cap
1: off the end of the Star Wars uh, Clone Wars story before you know you jump into Episode Three. And, as, you know, learning more about some of these characters that we grew to love over the course of the series, it's a great way to kind of reconnect with them. Uh, obviously a little bit darker than past entries, but still a good entry into the overall
0: uh, Star Wars canon. Yes, yeah, so I think we both recommend it. It was good. It's probably not our favorite one so far. No, I'm it's still, not my favorite, but I still yeah. enjoyed it. So this week's book was Star Wars Dark Disciple. I had to look by Christy Golden. If it's a legend that you seek, Come on and take a peek at the window of the week.
1: This window is actually located in Hong Kong, Disneyland, and it reads, Town Square Planning Company, no land too big for our big ideas. Tom Morris, Chris Carradine, surveyors. Now, Tom Morris was a show producer for Fantasyland at Disneyland Paris, and would later become vice president and executive producer of Hong Kong Disneyland. And Chris Carradine was Vice President in Executive Concept Architecture for Hong Kong Disneyland.
0: Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat.
1: (laughs) So this five-legged goat, we're going to tie back to the land a little bit. And in one of the opening scenes, when you're going through the different lands, you go into the prairie. And you see the mighty buffalo, and some of the prairie dogs, and some chickens, and along with this peaceful farm. But many of these audio animatronics that are seen in this uh, scene here were originally made for the Western River Expedition. But since the Western River Expedition never came to be, they were moved here uh, just so they, you know, can continue being used. And now that I'm saying this out loud, I want to say maybe
0: we used this as a goat before. No, no. Remember we used the goat that has the projector hidden inside the buffalo oh okay there remember. we go remember nailed and the, it. the big question is how do you get a projector inside of a buffalo
1: that's true how do you get a projector? very carefully, very you carefully
0: that's what i was gonna say <laughs> very carefully Ooh. well and speaking of something we're not being very careful with huh? uh, it is time to make the announcement for our year of a million or so limited time cadets prize winner for this week and as a reminder every week is part of our amazing and wonderful fourth season we are in our fourth year of doing the show we are giving away a prize and it's they're all awesome we they love are them. all awesome yeah you know, sometimes they're books sometimes they're blu-ray sometimes they're sometimes things. we give out more than one prize a week like this week yes so Jeff um, the prize this week comes courtesy of mr. Heimbuck it is is two Disneyland 60th anniversary prize packs which include park maps Replica. Uh, it's like a replica map, like the park maps oh. that were special
1: for that day, and so, they had a replica of the opening day map of Disneyland.
0: Okay, got gotcha, it. Inside, which was it cool. Was just the word replica by itself. And sorry, I was like, sorry, that sorry that would to be confuse you. like a you. replicant from Blade Runner. Sorry, sorry, that was my bad. Guys. Okay, sorry. So park maps, the replicas, stationery from the hotels, which I'm going to write a letter on. Ooh, as well. Coasters. Now, now those things you put drinks on. Yes, not yes. They're roller coasters. Yes, and a button or a postcard.
1: Yes, the button says I was there. You know, for the sixth anniversary, and then, or a postcard uh, with the sixtieth anniversary logo on it.
0: And it like the postcard says, I wasn't there. I
1: was not here. Wish you were <laughs> here. That here, kind of thing. You weren't here. That. Yes, kind of thing. they were very limited giving out these things. So like, I had to work really hard to walk in and out of the park to get these things for for you guys. And I'm not an eBayer. I mean, I could have sold it for. Six dollars on eBay if I really
0: wanted to. Well, that was insane, you know, by the I was, way. I, tr- I kept trying to put my name in here, and Jeff is like, Who keeps putting George T in here? Yeah, that's he that's doesn't get to mean anything. I'm yeah, like, I'm just gonna delete dang that. It. You
1: okay. know, I'll just
0: send you one, George. I know, I for I know. I $12. Anyway, <laughs> 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 okay. Um, so this week's two winners because we have two winners, um, Ariel N from Alpharetta, Georgia. And Lexi S. from Naperville, Illinois. So Hooray! yes, Ariel and Lexi, congratulations. And we didn't talk about how to win this prize. So we're hoping people are still listening. You can email us at any time at weekly at gmail.com. But we do have to have your name your address so we can mail things to you and your birthday we need the month and the day. I know we posted this on Facebook that we were doing this prize and we got a huge number of responses and I know there were about 30 or so that Jeff had to email back and go um, what's your name or your address or your, address. your state. So we need those sort of things. So please don't make it It's Jeff- okay if you leave off your birthday but I kind of need your name and address. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> it you know Jeff you know, he gets tired. So That's true. A lot of work to do. So email us at at gmail.com to enter this contest and we've still got a few more months to go. We're hitting about four months now. Uh-huh. We're almost, uh, at, we're almost at the end. end. So I'm Almost there. And speaking of the end, dun, 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 dun. we are at the end of this week's episode of Communicore Weekly. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And, of course,
1: however you absorb the show, whether it's on iTunes or YouTube, you know, rate us on iTunes or
0: leave us a comment on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, we do. And uh, email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com just to say, hello, is it us you're emailing? (laughs) Well done, George. Well done.
1: All right. You can also like
0: us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash weekly. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram and check out our periscopes. We've both been periscoping. Jeff, a little bit heavier than I have. A little bit, Um, a little bit. You can follow me on all those at uh, I'm at Imagine and Jeff is at Jeff Heimbuck. And, of course, you can leave us a a message on the CommuniQuickly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And don't forget, we've got t-shirts for sale. Lovely t-shirts, including our flushing on our own terms is coming. We know it is. We know it's that coming. Great design. It's pretty hilarious. And uh, you can go see those at communicorweekly.spreadshirt.com. And also pick up a copy of CommuniCore Weekly, the musical. We haven't pushed that in a while. It's yeah, we haven't. That's 45, a good, I, 45 minutes of brilliance.
1: If we do say so ourselves. Mainly because Andy had a lot to do with it. Yeah, that's true. Fair that's point. Fair point. So,
0: and Jeff had something to do with it, too. Yeah,
1: a little bit. You can also uh, send us a self addressed stamped envelope uh, for your Communicore Weekly membership card and sticker at Communicore
0: Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. Yes, we love those cards. We do love giving them out. Uh, You can always support us on Patreon.com. So visit Patreon.com slash Communicore Weekly and help your favorite podcasters out. We would love it. Uh, For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George
1: Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heinbuck Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. And I didn't step on George's name at the end there. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.
0: No, I'm